0: Hey everybody! It's back with the League Winners Podcast. This is episode Deuce. Uh, this is me, Thomas Christopher, with my man Joey Avellino. How are you doing, Joe?
1: I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back. And speaking of Deuce, how about those uh, Kansas City Chiefs? <laughs>
0: <laughs> man, they did not look good at Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, were you surprised by how that game went down?
1: I mean, I I have to think anyone was, even if you're a Tampa Bay fan. Like uh, a bunch of my cousins are from Tampa. So I have family down there, and I know they were all nervous. I mean, on paper, you, you might be able to make the argument that they were close, but I think that the Chiefs were just this powerhouse, and you'd think that they'd steamroll them. But, like, as the, it got closer to game time. I'm like, Brady's going to do it, isn't he? So I wasn't overly surprised, but, like, I still feel like in a vacuum and everything, like, no one saw what we saw happen. Like, maybe a shootout and the Bucks win, but not the way that they did it. What about you?
0: Uh, I'm, hey, man, we did a, a $50 giveaway for people who could correctly guess the winner and the score, we had about 30 or so contestants. Only two people picked the Bucks. So if Jeez. that doesn't give you the consensus yeah. that was going on, you know, everyone thought that the Chiefs were going to win. And I think they kind of shot themselves in the foot, claiming you know, thinking that they were an underdog. You can't be an underdog as the reigning Super Bowl champ. That's just not how that works. So I think they kind of, you know, yeah, they, they kinda were like set what 15 in. one motion.
1: too, I think, in the regular season.
0: Yeah, there, something crazy, man. There's there's a ridiculous stat that they hadn't lost a game uh in a in a lot in a long time uh based on like uh, playoffs and home appearances and and stuff like that. They 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 just don't lose often. So I think they kind of set things in motion for Brady to do what he does best and that's win a Super Bowl.
1: Oh, absolutely. The one thing I will say is I I don't think the refs like made the Bucs win, but I definitely think that the refs made the game unenjoyable to watch as someone who didn't have a stake in the game one way or the other. Like the Tyron, Matthew, like interception. I mean, the guy did hold him, but it was on the outside. It had nothing to do with the play. Like there was the Mike Evans, like uh, when Matthew, I think it was again, who held him in the end zone and the ball wasn't catchable and just all these things that just put points on the board for the Bucks, but it like kept the Chiefs off the field. And I think if they could have got out there a little bit earlier and a little bit closer of a score... I think we would just would have seen a better like product, and we just did not get that.
0: Yeah, no, you uh, you got to bring up a good point there. And There's an interesting thing about those penalties, too. During the regular season, the Chiefs were actually the most penalized team for the secondary, and uh, they were top three in both defensive holding and pass interference. But I found it interesting how often they called that in the Super Bowl because, as, as I know you're aware as a Packers fan, they weren't calling anything in the uh, NFC Championship game.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, the last second, they call one, so it just, I, I do kind of agree with, like, if you're going to call it one way, you just have to be consistent. Every game's not going to be called, like, the same way, but just stick to what you, like, call, you know? And I just, I don't know, I hate the human error, or, not human error, but, like, the human element in it, where it's just, I mean, if you really think about it, like, a football game can really come down to, like, one person's judgment on, like, a pass interference, and there's no way around um. it, it's just part of the game, but
0: yeah yeah no i agree that that's that's something that kind of gets lost in transition and i think a lot of people saw too how important an offensive line is uh, especially with uh, patrick mahomes running for his life for nearly the entire second half of the game
1: did you see that it was 497 yards that he like accumulated running from sacks
0: that's insane yeah dude. 497
1: insane. I, ha- I would that's... have to think that's the most ever
0: yeah, uh, close to it, right? He was doing, and the and the craziest part is he was still on target with a lot of those passes that I know, he was like sideways off platform, like it was insane, dude. He really
1: showcased like his skill set in a game where he didn't play well, and a lot of it I think was you know the line, and also like guys were just were dropping balls that they should have caught. But I mean, he was on full display even in a game where he only puts up nine points. Like normally, a team puts up nine points, you know, you might see one or two like good throws. I think throughout the whole game. He was pretty dynamic and, like, just showed what he's able to do. And it's weird because it didn't, like, amount to anything, but it was still really fun to watch from that perspective.
0: Yeah, he, he's going to be killing the league for a long time. And, you know, I, I think uh, I think we've got our next, you know, like young goat in the making, the superstar. I mean, people kind of already put him there, but I think that he's he deserves it now. You know, there's always that. Well, how long is he going to do it for? A uh, flash in a pan, but no, I think I think he truly deserves the praise that he's been getting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know, some people say they just they're sick of Brady and they want like you know, he's like the next man up. But I mean, in your second year and your first year starting, you do what he did when MVP, five thousand yards, fifty touchdowns. I mean, at this point, he's legit. He won a Super Bowl. He hasn't been as good as in the playoffs, but I, I no one's as good as they are in the regular seasons. They're in the playoffs, like. I mean, there's different, like, layers to it. Like, Peyton was definitively worse in the playoffs than he was in the regular season by a considerable margin. But I wouldn't say Tom Brady plays as well as he does in the postseason. I'm not saying he plays bad, but he's, like, he doesn't – like, think about all of their Super Bowls. It's not. It's usually not Brady. Like, this was more of an outlier where he throws – what did he have, like, three touchdowns? That's usually, like, not the case. It's the two best teams in the league, and there's so much pressure. Like, you're not going to have a guy slinging, like – 400 yards and five touchdowns like brady did do that against the uh who was it the eagles but like it, as in totality if you look at all the super bowls his stat lines aren't like anything like that crazy
0: uh, yeah i think he only put up like 206 yards on this most of the Super Bowl. you know not everyone can joe flacco it you know what i mean <laughs>
1: not <laughs> even joe flacco can joe flacco it again if we're being honest
0: yeah, that was, that was definitely a flash in the pan. And, you know, since we're highlighting some quarterbacks, let's talk about some guys that are going to be going in different places, presumably uh, this offseason We're doing a QB carousal with Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, Mitchell Trubisky, and Jameis Winston. Uh, break those guys down, and where do you think they end up this year?
1: I mean, I'll start with Jameis, and then I'll throw it back to you, and you can pick one. But I think I was so surprised that Jameis didn't get a starting spot somewhere. Like, Philip Rivers is – a great quarterback we kind of discussed him in the last pod he's always been really good but would you, as the Colts if all you need is a quarterback and maybe they thought Philip Rivers was the guy but he was so old why not just take a chance on Jameis give him a few years and you know if he doesn't work out you can cut him after one year but like, like the Colts with Philip an old old Philip Rivers weren't gonna win a Super Bowl and we just saw that they didn't even make it to the Super Bowl so now they're just back in the same situation they have a worse draft draft pick like I don't know where Jameis goes. He probably ends up back on the Saints, but if I'm him, do I even want to go back and lose the starting job to Taysom Hill because Sean Payton has to be the smartest guy in the room? Like, no. But it seems like <laughs> he's, like, worn out as well from the league. He, he threw 30 picks, but that guy is talented. He was the number one recruit coming out of high school. He dominated in college. He wasn't horrible in the NFL. Someone just I, – I, I don't know. Were the people in Tampa really developing him well? No everyone before Brady flamed out there it's not like the Buccaneers were ever a good franchise he had good wide receivers but I mean I don't like Brady just brings that whole system with him I think Jameis just needed to be in a better cultural fit and another team like the Colts who have all the other pieces should have felt confident trying to bring him in and rein him in and take the good out of him and try and like you know maximize his value so I, I just don't get why he's not more highly regarded or given more of a chance when someone like scam newton got a starting job for god knows what reason
0: yeah that's kind of it was kind of bad that but bill belichick didn't look like so much of a genius when he brought in newton but there uh, for eight I, touchdowns I mean, on the year it's absurd Dude, um, it was bad and he took away from the running attack too just so we could you know everyone talks about matt stafford as pat staff that pat statford or whatever whatever our boy uh <laughs> yeah. Stat Padford that yeah, yeah, Solman likes to, to, to throw around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just not used to it, man. I don't I don't hate on him. Stafford's a great dude. But uh yeah, he was just uh taking away all the touches from running backs in that in that red zone too. And it was just it was a really bad play. But um when you get back to Winston, I, I couldn't agree more. I think he does end up back in the Saints too, which I don't know why he would, but uh with Drew Brees, you know, restructuring his deal and with I feel like Sean Payton chose purposely not to start Winston or give him any type of uh, snaps in the regular season just so we could drive down his value. And then we saw when the playoffs came that Taysom Hill was basically not a factor at all. And they even used Winston on a trick play, which he delivered with a touchdown pass, if I remember correctly. Um, So, but if I'm him, like, like my ego wouldn't let me go back there, but You know, maybe he thinks that it's a winning culture. He could be a Super Bowl champion there. There's some good pieces there. So I could see both sides of the coin. Um, So in the next quarterback, we have Carson Wentz. See, oh, man, low-key, I do not like Wentz. Uh, I I think he's overrated. I think he's pretty smug. I think he's a locker room cancer. That being said, he's shown flashes of elite quarterback play. Uh, 2017, I believe, he was – one of the top guys for, you know, MVP voting. So it's not like he's completely terrible. Um, He's shown flashes, and I think he ends up on the Colts with all the trade rumors that are going around in Philadelphia. Frank Reich is the uh, head coach over there in Indianapolis, and, you know, reuniting him with the guy who gave him that, you know, amazing season will do wonders for him. And I think that's, that's where he could end up. They have a strong running game, which I think is huge for him to be able to excel, at least in this league now. Um, and I, I think that, you know, Indianapolis is looking for a guy they really, really need. Like They're in a win-now mode. So I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback because they already have Jacob Eason. Um, there's no reason for them to go after a young guy. I think they go after an older guy. and If it's not somebody like Jameis, then I think it's Carson Wentz.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And uh, just to touch on like the Saints part that you said, I I like what you said about the ego part. I wouldn't want to go back either. Are the Saints like a desirable place to go? Um, I guess they have Emmanuel Sanders. I don't know, you know, the extent of his deal. But outside of Michael Thomas, who's hurt, and they kicked around trading him. And I mean, Kamara is obviously another worldly talent. I wonder if that's like actually like a highly regarded place that people want to go. That's just, like, a tidbit that I thought about. Like, I wonder if that's, like, you know, the hot spot it used to be now that Breeze is gone. I don't think, you know, free agents are going to be as likely to go there and then by default, does a quarterback want to be there? I
0: don't know. No, no, no. no, it's good. And Sean Payton's kind of an egomaniac.
1: Yeah, I he kind know. of reminds me of Belichick like where Matt Stafford said, you can send me anywhere but to the Patriots, which has, <laughs> you know, in part to do with Matt Patricia coming from there. But I just – it's really interesting, like, the shift that we're seeing. And I think the Saints can end up falling into, like – what the Patriots for this year. But, uh, yeah, I think Carson – I just – Carson Wentz, he's so hard to judge. I mean, the ACL surgery could have – people bounce back. Like, I've had two of them. You can bounce back. And maybe he's just never going to be the same because of that. Like, sure, the success rate is more – it's better than it used to be, but that doesn't mean it's 100% successful. Like, I had to have two. I mean, I'm not – I didn't have the doctors he had. I'm just saying, you know, there are people who aren't going to be as – fortunate as he is or as right. other people are like adrian peterson i think people just like like oh acl surgery you're back in a year like that's not always going to be the case like it, he's not always going to bounce back so i don't even think he's you know 100 percent healthy and i think he just lost something that he had whether it be confidence or whether it be physically i just think it'd be funny if i ended up on the bears and somehow Foles was still
0: there <laughs> <laughs> dude the would be crazy and i guess uh there's been talk of, uh, if he doesn't end up on the Bears, that they're actually looking at Gardner Minshew, the person who, oh my who God. Nick Foles Nick lost Foles his is, job
1: to. Nick Foles must be behind closed doors saying, I want these guys. I miss him as teammates. Right? Like, that's all that's... it could
0: be. I don't know, man, but it's crazy. It's, it's like a soap opera story. It really is.
1: Remember. The best soap opera in football. But how about, uh, what do you think happens to your man Darnold? I got to let you take that one and run with it.
0: Oh, man. Um... See, I think he. This is no one's really said this, but I think he could end up somewhere um, like the Carolina Panthers. I know people have been saying stuff about Pittsburgh taking over for Big Ben, but the ownership in Carolina has already said that they don't really consider uh, Teddy Two Gloves. Uh, <laughs> love that Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I love it too, man. Um, unfortunately, though, the owner doesn't love him as much as you know the contract they give out to. Him. And uh, he said that they're going to kind of keep looking. Matt Rule was uh, interviewed for the Jets coaching job last year, and he was all set to take it before a stipulation came where um, he wasn't able to hire his own coaches, which is one of the stupidest things that I've ever heard. And uh, but he was going to take the job in part of Sam Darnold uh, being there. So I think there's a chance that he could, you know, Darnold's going to be not the cheapest going into a fifth year option. But uh, still probably cheaper than a lot of other options unless they go first round quarterback, which is completely possible too. Um, but I feel like in a quick release system, you know West Coast offense that the Panthers run, you know a lot of spread, a lot of a lot of moving parts. I think he excels in those quick release type of offenses and that's where we've seen a lot of his six a lot of his minimal success in the NFL. Um, but the, excuse me but that's where I believe he would end up. Uh, do, you, do you think he stays on the Jets, or do you think he ends up going somewhere else?
1: I've just seeing all these mock drafts where they're trading him, but at the same time, it's like they've just never given him
0: like anything,
1: anything around him. So it's like hard. I, I just think that – I think the fan base – I mean, you can speak to this more than I can. I think the general consensus is the fan base is kind of over Sam Darnold, and they just want something new. So even if the Jets yeah. – like front office is like you know let's give this guy another shot if the fans are kind of over it you have to you have to listen right and I just I just think because of that and how many years it's been now they're just their hand is forced and I think they're gonna have to give him up and I I do think he ends up on the Colts I think that's who they end up walking away with so and I I think it could I could it could be a good fit if he's what he was meant to be we'll see that when he goes there I, I don't think we'll ever see that on the Jets
0: I agree with you more. And the last one we got is Mitchell Trubisky. Where do you think he ends up, Joe?
1: Man, whatever team needs a backup and he's never going to play, that guy sucks. <laughs> where, 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 I don't know. I'd love for him to in the Bears as a Packer fan, but like, he's somewhat mobile and I don't know. Where do you think he goes? I just I, If James can't land a starting job, this guy should not land a starting job.
0: I agree 100% with that. There's no way that he he should uh be starting if Jameis Winston is not starting. Um I I also think that he ends up staying on the Bears because <laughs> the Bears like what are they they're, they're not in a position to really do anything, right? They gave Nick they traded for Nick Foles contract, which, you know, isn't gonna be off the books next year. If they trade for Carson Wentz, you presume that either Nick Foles is probably going in that deal or somebody that they like you can't really afford to lose on the team like other than nick Foles, the only guys with big contracts there are actually like elite players and then you presume they want alan robinson back you can't do that with if you trade for carson wentz um so (laughs) then it becomes okay so what are the options after that it's either (laughs) like mitchell trubisky or Garter mitchell like and i prefer Minshew because i'm a big Minshew guy but the It's the Bears, so they're going to probably go with, like, a one-year deal for Trubisky and just be the most mediocre team again and just ruin that defense that they have.
1: Yeah, which is a shame because that defense, like, if they just put anybody else, I mean, when they got Cole Mack, I always thought the Packers should have went all in on him because then you have, at that time, in my opinion, you have the best quarterback and you have the best defensive player, and it's just like, how how do you beat that team? You don't, but... It just seems like guys like Clo Mack just get traded to these teams that don't have all the pieces in place. They mortgage their future, and then it's like, well, now what? You know, because they can't, like you said, they just they don't really have any options, and they just dig themselves more and more of a hole. The trade for Mitchell Trubisky, where they went from what was it three to two or something, like was a horrible trade, and like ever since then they've just been like, you know, sliding down and down into this like. It's just like all these mid-level teams who don't have a quarterback, but the rest of the team is good. You'll never be able to draft a good quarterback. Outside of Deshaun Watson, if he even gets traded, we'll have to see. Like, elite-level talent doesn't just become available. Like, it's not the NBA. And they're just going to waste like someone like Khalil Mack and, you know, Allen Robinson and all these guys who championship-level players, but it just never happens.
0: No, yeah, I agree. And for those listening at home, the reason why we didn't include Deshaun Watson is because we touched up on that in our inaugural episode, which you can find a link to in the description below. Um, but we're going to move on there. And talking about quarterbacks. Um, you know, Mahomes is kind of the consensus number one. Who's your number two guy, Joe?
1: For me, I'm going to go Kyler Murray. I think another year, same offense. You know, he's got really good weapons around him. And I, I think they might try and upgrade at running back, which will really help him, or Kenyon and Drake will just be healthier. So I just he's just running gives you such a high like upside and i just think he's in a better offense than lamar jackson is and they have to rely on him more than lamar jackson who i'd probably put at three just because jk dobbins as we talked about last pot i think is going to be like a really good player and they can lean on him more i don't think you can lean on Kenyon Drake or chase edmonds in the same way and like he's a, you know they have a good offense they have hopkins and stuff but like you have to rely on Kyler and have him make a play. And, like, there's so much value to that. Who's your number two?
0: And uh, That's a good point. Uh, I really like Kyler. He's my – actually, he's my number three. My number two is uh, Josh Allen from the Bills. And I know that's like, oh, dude, he just had one good year. That's why you like him. No, not necessarily. Um, I, I've always been kind of high on him. I think if he got his accuracy issues solved, that he'd be an amazing quarterback. The dude has a cannon of an arm and just a big – He's like a better version of Big Ben to me. He's like a big, strong dude, doesn't get taken down easily, is quick as a whip, and, um, he, you know, he's he's very good arm talent. Um, this season, he saw his, you know, accuracy skyrocket, and I think a lot of that had to do with acquiring Stefan Diggs uh, oh, yeah. from the Vikings. And, you know, who thought that Diggs would end up being one of the top like top three wide receivers this past season. I don't I know I didn't. Um, I thought it was gonna be good but I didn't think he, you know, on that level that he was at
1: no definitely you know, not tops yeah. to
0: him. And uh, the way that offense is running, they they've ran the most eleven personnel in the league this year. They have no running attack. So everything is falling back on Allen's shoulders. Could it end up, you know, exploding in his face? Possibly. But we saw this year that it really didn't and it's kinda hard to game plan against a guy who has who can run and like who can run kind of I don't want to say like Lamar because nobody runs like Lamar, but he has the ability to get that type of yardage. But then on top of that, he also has the ability to absolutely destroy you with his arm, which is something Lamar doesn't have. Uh, I think the guys in Buffalo uh, offensive quarter, I, I want to say it's Dabble. I'm pretty sure that's the OC there.
1: I think uh, so. I could be-
0: but he's done a great job. He he said that he isn't going to be going anywhere um this season. He he turned down a quite a few head coaching interview opportunities. So I think that's huge for the development of Josh uh, Josh Allen. And um that's that's my guy man. That's my number 2.
1: I like that a lot. I mean, he he was a little up and down to start, but once he like figured it out and I think he's just going to continue to get better. I mean, you saw his upside, and it's, like, as good as anyone in the league, especially fantasy-wise. And, you know, another year with Diggs, like, you kind of touched upon. is just going to really elevate him to another level.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, even though I'm a Jets fan, it's hard not to root for, like, a city like Buffalo. You know, it's like a real football—it's like, you know, the Packers and their fan base. Like, it's just, like, a real football city, real football fans. It's hard to root against those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, for anyone who's been to a Bills game, I don't know if you've gone. I've been to one, and, I mean, their fans are just so passionate. You see it on TV. But actually being there, like, I mean, Buffalo's pretty cold. It's not, like, the best place in the world to be at times, you know, when football's going on. No disrespect right. to, to Buffalo, but just to have the fans out there, you know, putting on for the city, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. But uh, so, like, as we've talked about some, like, you know, younger QBs and, you know, some veteran QBs, what do you prefer in fantasy? Do you prefer, you know, rookies or do you prefer vets or what do you look for?
0: I love these segments. Um, <laughs> so I, I kind of go, like, in between. I mean, technically they'd be vets, right, if they're in the NFL for more than a season. Uh, but, I, like, there's, like, a sweet spot that I kind of go after, and that's, like, guys from the ages of 24 to 26. Um, that's kind of who I draft. Uh, my I could, like, name off a whole bunch of guys just on my team alone that fit that description, like Davin Cook, Austin Eckler, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson like these are all guys that I have on my team almost always Um, just because they're already proven that they were good right they've proven that they can handle the production in the NFL Um, they're usually given the opportunity so that opportunity is there and you don't really have to worry about somebody taking it if they're playing at an elite status and they're also not old enough to where that production is going to slide dramatically off a cliff in a a year or two so, which is huge to me. Like, there's a couple outlier guys um, that I also look at too. You know, like Allen Robinson and Devontae Adams, like a little bit older, I guess, for skill position guys. But those are like the elite of the elite for a reason, and you get those guys no matter what. But I kind of fall in between the twenty four to twenty six age group range, and kind of build my team around there. Um, what about you, Joe?
1: Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good age group. I like to say like the lightly seasoned guys. I don't want I, I don't want a rookie, like, I'm not going to take a rookie really high, like, like we talked about last time, Clyde, or, you know, Zeke is rookie rookie. I kind of want to see what they can do. I don't want to lose my season because I overdraft on hype. Um, but I also, another thing I don't particularly like is, like, a second-year guy. Like, James Robinson is someone I'd just be a little bit nervous about. You have to see, like, they have new uh, leadership in place, so they don't really have any, that the new, you know, head coach and stuff don't have any ties to him. So it's pretty easy to move off an undrafted guy if they just don't like him for whatever reason. I mean, he played well, but that doesn't mean he fits their style. So I kind of like to see somebody do it for at least like two years. I mean, with running backs, it's a little different, just because their lifespan is so short. But like, I don't know. I just I'm always hesitant. Like I said last time, like you know the Zach Stacy's, Jordan Howard's of the world. You know if if they're like an if a team drafts a guy in the first round, in the second year, I'm a little more likely to go for him just because they have like so much invested in him but you know these younger guys who are in their second year and had one good year but you know they were like a fifth round draft pick i kind of wait one more year just to see what they really want out of these people and see if they're going to be like a mainstay like you said you know you want someone who has like they're not going to be replaced so that's i kind of like guys who have just been produced for at least like two years and you don't you don't really see like a and there's usually trends, like we said last time, with running backs who have over 300 carries. Like if a guy's been in the league five years and he's getting the rock 300 times a year, I might shy away from that guy. So I want people who are, you know, younger, not rookies, not necessarily the second year, like you said, 24 to, like, 28, where they just – they're still young. They're still going to have a starting spot and can handle a workload. And then, like you said, you know, the elite of the elite, people who – are gonna dominate. I don't think their age really matters, and I mean with quarterbacks it's definitely different because Brady was serviceable even at 43, but for the skill positions I kind of like a guy who's done it for at least two years in a row and is still young.
0: Yeah, right. The the quarterbacks are kind of the outlier there. Well, you'll see people like Rodgers having his best season at what like age 38 or something. Yeah, I mean, like which that. makes
1: no sense. Yeah, after two down years, it just kind of. If you draft him, you got real lucky this year. Yep,
0: no kidding. Uh, so for everyone, everyone out there, me and Joe hate rookies and we hate
1: vets. (laughs) We like the middle children on this podcast. So if you're a middle child, you're finally getting your appreciation here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, speaking to people, you know, need some more appreciation, Joe, who are your most underrated players
1: in (laughs) your opinion? Very sly. Uh, for me, like one guy that comes to mind right away is Devontae Parker. Uh, I would think most people two years ago, he had 1200 yards. I didn't know that. Um, Devonte Parker is a big point of contention in one of my leagues that I'm the commissioner in because we uh, – the way I do it is like we can veto trades, but it's not like you don't just go hit no on the website. We have a group chat and you have to – if you say no, you have to have a reason and it can't be like, oh, the other team is too good because that's a dumb reason, right? It has to like right. – logically in a vacuum, the trade doesn't work. And somebody traded Michael Thomas – I think it was week four or five – traded Michael Thomas away for James Robinson and Devonte Parker, and at first you look at it <clears throat> or you hear it on even this pod, and you're like Devonte Parker. Why would, how is that the wide receiver you get back? But I mean, two years ago he had 1,200 yards, like, and no one would have ever thought that, right? You just hear Devonte Parker, like he was like a top 20 wide receiver that year. I think he was like 12, and uh, two years ago, and even last year, like when uh what's his name when Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing he's really good I mean he missed a few games but he still had 800 yards you know four touchdowns he was still really good when he played like not really good but he was serviceable and then James Robinson was obviously the outlier there but I think Devante Parker if he can stay healthy for all 16 games is like a perfect guy that you can get in one of those later rounds because people he's just not like a big name like Miami until this year no one gave a shit about Miami unless you were a fan like, no one was, like, actively looking for people on Miami, and he was just quietly doing it down there. So I just think he's a guy who's going to fall. And like we said, there's so many wide receivers at the top, as we've touched on before, that a guy like that is just somebody who falls through the cracks, and you get him, hopefully, you know, in the later round, and he's your wide receiver two or even three, in your flex, and flexing, he's, like, getting you, you know, 12 to 15 points a game if you're doing PPR. Who's the guy that you think is underrated?
0: No, that's a good point. I remember, uh, not this, not this past season, but the one before that, our friend Prue, um, he had Devontae Parker.
1: That's the, Pru's the one who trained for him, actually.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> I was just like, uh, why would you get him? And then as the season went on, he was just putting up constant numbers. I was like, holy crap. I'm pretty sure he snuck in the playoffs, uh, or was just on the outside in our, our league before, which I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> did, you know, getting some big success from, uh, davante which you know he's he's a great, he's very underappreciated, and he's somebody that a lot of people kind of forget about. Uh, he stays pretty productive. Oh, um yeah. For me, it's uh Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, he 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 came on into the NFL hot, right? Like, oh you know, yeah, he played Besides well. Anyone. Everyone, of them. yeah, and he was the number one wide receiver. I think he finished wide receiver eight in twenty eighteen. Uh, with him and Antonio Brown, when that Steelers offense was looking pretty crazy. He got. He was dealing with a lot of injuries in 2019. So this year, people kind of, you know, uh, they kind of slept on him. Um, didn't think he'd do as well. But he was the one who ended up outplaying both Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool in PPR formats. And you know, he's a free agent now. And I think, at, like, I think he's at the point where he can excel in his own right. Like, people kind of like, oh, well, he had that chance in 2019 and he failed, but. He was hurt almost the entire year, and but he's an incredible, incredible receiver, and I don't think people give him enough credit for that. Um, he's got an extremely great drop rate. Like, he doesn't drop the ball. He drops the ball 3.6% of the time, and that's like that's one of the 20th sad. lowest out of about 70 qualifiers, which is crazy. He's a clutch player, too. Uh, This season alone, he has 19 conversions on third down tied with Darren Waller and Devontae Adams for second in the NFL, only behind Keenan Allen, which I also think is a stat that not a lot of people really, you know, like, "Eh, what?
1: But (laughs) So a question for you about him is do you think that – so he had 1,400 yards in his second year – and you probably didn't buy him nearly at the price tag that a wide receiver of that caliber or i think he might have had 1500 yards right so people that year underdrafted him technically based on where he finished the next year people probably overdrafted him do you think that because people got burned by him it's just like one of those things where they like oh he sucks or just you know that like that bias because he didn't produce for them so like that's a guy who slips through the cracks do you think that happens a lot in fantasy
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. The bias definitely plays a part in it. Uh, I I wrote a couple articles for Juju, both for fantasy purposes and strictly for NFL free agency purposes uh, from one of the Jets sites, and all the comments are like, "Oh, dude, we saw him in 2019. He sucks. He the <laughs> first time he had a chance, he didn't do anything with it. You know, he's not good. He's not good. Like that's all I see. He's not good. He's only good in the slot and all this stuff, which I don't I don't necessarily agree with. You know, a lot of people say he can't get open, but that's also not true. <laughs> like, I
1: the guy caught ninety balls not... this year.
0: Dude, he he played amazing, and he, he's one of the best uh, contested catch passers in the NFL too. Uh, I want to see if I could find the stat, but it's pretty much you know, it's insane. Okay, here it goes. Entering this season, twenty four percent of his career targets were contested catches. Dude, that's the third highest amount. Between all wide receivers in the NFL since 2015, only behind Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin. Wow. So he
1: and, and he's, you know they're yeah.
0: contested catches, but he's still catching them. Like you know he has less than a four percent drop rate on his career, which is an elite. It's an elite number.
1: And I feel like it makes sense. Like Godwin and Galladay are a little bit bigger guys. Like I don't think Juju's like that big. So the fact that he's doing that is like a really nice ripple to his game that he can be a physical guy as well as, you know, play in the slot and do all the other things that he does.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he's a yak machine, dude. His average depth of target is only 5.4 yards, right? It's the lowest among all wide receivers with at least 50 targets. But his, after he was ranked 13th in the NFL for wide receivers in yards after the catch with 341 yards this season. So once he gets the ball in his hands, he's going to be producing for you. And, you know, fantasy is all about... All he has to do is catch the ball. You know he's going to catch the ball. Okay, great. Now what does he do with it? He's going to get you yards. That's another thing you want to do. And he was a high-end wide receiver too this season. And yeah. people kind of just look over that and just think, Nah, I'm going to go after Deontay and Claypool, which you know is fine. They're going to be great guys too. Like nothing against them. Right. But Juju showed that he, st- yeah, he still outperformed him. And uh, nobody expected that. And I think he's criminally underrated. Uh, who- who's your second underrated player, Joe?
1: So I want to just throw two together um, and just kind of briefly touch on them. I think Alan Robinson is kind of underrated for what he is. Like, he has a bad quarterback throwing him the ball, as as we said about Mitch. And Nick Foles is kind of not doing too hot these days either. I like the analogy that he's like uh, the Rivera. You know, he's a closer. He's he's better just coming in at the end of the season and then he plays well or like a relief pitcher, which I think is funny. But um, that's a topic for another day, I guess. I just Alan Robinson is just a guy in a team that people not a lot of people follow the Bears like they're not like a fun team to watch necessarily because they're more of a you know a defensive oriented team but he's still going to get a thousand yards and a ton of catches now I'll say this is more for the you know if you're like seriously into football and you like really take things seriously you know who Alan Robinson is Robinson is you know how good he is but like I feel like just walking down the street like the casual football fan. If you're like, you know, Allen Robinson's one of the best wide receivers in the league or for fantasy, i would be like, what? No, you know, like it's just something they wouldn't believe until you actually like show them what he has done. And especially because before that, he was on the Jaguars and he's just never been, you know, you put a guy like him on the Patriots or something when they were like, you know, or like you put him on Dallas, he'd be a household name and he'd be all over the talk shows as one of the best wide receivers. He's just not in like the spotlight because of the teams and situations he's been in. And then
0: the other guy is... I just want to touch on that. Yeah, go ahead. And, uh, like, you bring up a great point. Robinson is actually the next guy that I was going to bring up. And uh, (laughs) this is who he's had throwing him the ball, Joe. Matt McGloin, Christian Hackenberg, Blake Bortles, and then Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. Like, those... Those are probably some of the worst quarterbacks you've ever seen. And he's still
1: getting 1,000-yard seasons. And he's another guy who, you know, he had that 1,400-yard season his second year. And then the third year he only had, you know, he had just a shade under 900 yards. And it's like people overdraft him, so he he just leaves a bad taste in, like, your mouth. And, I mean, him on the Jags, that, that whole team tanked after that year where Blake Bortles just, like, he had one decent year, and I don't even think it was really that good, but for fantasy purposes it was, and he just completely tanked the next year. I mean, wide receiver at the end of the day is, for the most part, dependent on the quarterback, and he's he's succeeded in spite of it. So the fact that, you know, if he's, he's a free agent, like let's just, in a hypothetical, he stays in the Bears and they get a better quarterback. He's somebody who's going to be – if people don't draft him really high, like he's a guy who could, you know, you get him third round or something. He could easily be a top five wide receiver. If you give him a legit guy throwing him the ball for a change.
0: No, that's right. And uh, I cut you off before, but who was the other person of your part too?
1: Oh no, you're good. Uh, The other person I would say is, um, and people might like, you know, be like, what? I think Josh Jacobs is a little underrated. I think he's like a legit, like top five uh, fantasy running back, but you never hear anyone like, been like, oh yeah, like Josh Jacobs is going in the top five. He's more of like a, bottom first round or you know maybe like second round guy um his only like drawback is that um he's not as good as like a like if the raiders fall behind they might abandon the run but like that team what they want to do is they want to run the ball they are not getting another quarterback i don't think and i mean it's gruden right he wants to run the ball and he's just somebody who gets so many carries i he's just somebody i would want on my team because he's a good player and the opportunity is just there screaming in your face. Like I'd rather have him than Kamara this year who, well, it depends on the quarterback, right? Taysom Hill is starting. I'd take Josh Jacobs over Kamara any day. And you can quote this if that's what ends up happening. Uh, I just think that cause he's, you know, he, he just gets so many like carries on the ground and there's value to that. You know, it's, it's good when a guy can do both But, like, he doesn't have to worry about who his quarterback is in terms of, like, can he throw him the ball accurately, right? Like, they're just going to force feed him the ball, like, 25 carries, and he doesn't have to worry if it's a shit pass or not. Now, they might stack the box, obviously, but he still has the opportunity to, you know, break off a big run or they use him on the goal line. They use him all over the place. So I just think he's, like, slept on just a little bit.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, You already know I'm a big Josh Jacobs guy. People in our draft two years ago were like, What? I think I drafted him pretty pretty high, sixth round for the rookie. And uh, I remember Solomon famously telling me he was gonna suck, and then yeah, he turned one, the, yeah, one of the best rookie seasons. And then uh, my guy's obviously was Allen Robinson, who you already touched up upon, but he's you know he he does so much. And I, I just want to add some more to this. Uh, last season, he accounted for one third of the team's total receiving yards and receiving touchdowns which is kind of insane uh, to think about considering how bad that team was. And, you know, in 2019, he finished in the top 10 in some crazy stuff like targets, receptions, first down receptions. And he's just a great uh, player, especially in the red zone. He's severely underrated. And he actually comps favorably to Devontae Adams. If he had a more accurate passer, I think he could put up a season uh, pretty close to that.
1: I could definitely Um, see that. I think that's a good comp.
0: Yeah, it's just – He just doesn't have the guys to give him the ball, which you know is kind of his fault. He chose Chicago over Green Bay. I don't know why he would do that. Perhaps you know there's a location thing, or maybe something that we don't know behind the scenes. Um, But you know it is what it is. It sucks for him, but hopefully he gets that figured out this season and uh, proves both of us right a little bit there. But uh, my third guy is going to be Adam Thielen. Um, You know he's a guy that kind of come he came on late, right? Like, he didn't really start to develop until, what, his 25, 26 age season, which is, you know, it's pretty rare for a a player. Uh, He's 30 now. Still put up one of the greatest seasons for a guy that age. And Kirk Cousins loves throwing him the ball. Uh, Thielen's an amazing route runner. He rarely drops passes. Like, we've seen him make some incredible catches this season. And, um, you know, so with – when I look at wide receivers, the way they age, you know, right, like if they're not a good route runner, they're going to be they're just going to age poorly because they're usually relying on their physical physical attributes. And, uh, you know, Thielen is not really one of those guys. He's a terrific route runner. I, I would say he's five, top five in the NFL. Uh, that might be high to some, but. I've watched a lot of his tape, and he just looks good, man. Um, what he doesn't have in speed, he has in just prowess and knowledge of the game. He knows how to find the soft spot in the zone, and he knows how to use his body as leverage when he's trying to make a catch in man coverage. He's a great guy, uh, great guy to pick. And, um, you know, Kirk Cousins just loves throwing him the, him the ball. Like <laughs> Kirk does not target tight ends. He doesn't target his third-string wide receiver. It's either... Uh, it's either Adam Thielen, now Justin Jefferson, and then Davin Cook, and that's basically all you'll see. So it's not like his production is going to go down, um, you know, this year. Uh, he's a pretty underrated guy. People kind of look at him. He's kind of got that stigma too, you know, with like a white wide receiver. People always think of like a Wes Welker or Julian Edelman, but he's not that guy kind of guy. You know, uh, Thielen's more of like a bigger possession possession receiver, kind of like Eric Decker was. Um, which I think he's a much better version of Eric Decker. And I think, you know, he kind of gets slept on because of vocation because Kirk Cousins is his quarterback and because of age. So he's my third guy.
1: I like that a lot. And uh, something I will say is like, like you described his game really well. And I feel like, you know, when he's not as flashy of a guy and he's a better, you know, route runner and, you know, finding the soft spots in the defense, it, it doesn't stand out in the way that a guy like, you know, you think a few years back, Des Bryant, Lit the league on fire, but he wasn't good at those things. He was just a superior athlete, and then he tailed off so fast just because he got hurt. I mean, it happens, right? And it slowed him down, and he couldn't fall back on those things. So it was like, you know, a guy like Adam Thielen, ages, and his his game isn't as predicated as much on athleticism. That's the kind of guy who you're you feel safe and comfortable drafting, even though in his advanced age, like you know, you're still going to get production from him where if it's just, like, you know, a home run hitter or someone like, you know, Des Bryant, who's just all athleticism, that those are the guys you have to worry about as they get older. So I think that's a really good point.
0: No, oh, yeah. And uh, did you did you have a third here, Joe?
1: Oh, man. I guess I'll just leave it at Josh Jacobs. So, because, uh, you know, they, we have a segment that uh, I really like and I came up with the name with, so I'm going to throw one out to you. But, uh, you know, a lot of people do buy and sell and stuff. We're not buying and we're not selling. What we're doing is we're going to say if a guy's a league winner or if he's costing you dinner because you're throwing away the entry fee to your, you know, fantasy football <laughs> leagues and could have been spent on dinner and you're just throwing oh, it away. No. So uh, let no, me start with this guy. And we're just going to kind of tailor them more towards, you know, not just is he going to be good this year, more so where you draft him. So like Derrick Henry, early first round, league winner or is he costing you dinner, Tom?
0: Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, On the spot. I'm going to go costing you dinner, man. He just had a 2,000 yard season, so it sounds insane, right? But, you know, he's a, he's the running back who's getting up there in age. Yes, the Titans run through him. But I just don't trust it, man. Like, I know a lot of people have been saying, oh, the, you know, everyone's been saying sell Derrick Henry for years. I wasn't one of those guys. You know, I, I've been a big by derrick henry now kind of guy yeah but, you know af- after like after getting that many touches that many yards that much damage to your body you know he's getting up there in age uh they drafted a running back they've started utilizing more running backs as that season went on despite his crazy season like i personally i don't remember a guy ever you know coming close to matching that two thousand yard season except maybe adrian peterson um and I don't, I just don't, I don't think he's going to be terrible. I think he's going to be drafted way too high and people are just going to, you know, I don't think he's worth it, man. He's somebody I'm actively staying away from. Uh, <laughs> he's, act, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to keep talking bad about him because I do love him as a player. Like he's my type of running back. I love bruising running backs, but he's, he's costing me dinner. He's costing me dinner, Joe. <laughs>
1: All right, let me throw you another one. You ready? I'm gonna throw you three yep. more and then I'll turn it over to you. The first right. one is gonna be DJ Chark, who kinda of burnt people this year.
0: Oh that's good. I actually, you know, I have as a league winner. He's actually on my list that I was gonna <laughs> ask you about. So that's that's a good one. Um I think with Urban Meyer there, uh, you know, presumably Trevor Lawrence, uh I think Chark will shine as well as, you know, that offense, uh the receiving core in general. Um he, you know, he kind of let his attitude get to him a bit this season, which I, it's hard to blame him, right? Like Doug Marone, the head, the head coach there, didn't know what he was doing at the quarterback position. Uh, Gardner Minshew, who I love, you know, he was hiding an injury on his throwing hand.
1: Yeah, that's a weeks, crazy story.
0: Which, is, you know, I, it's hard to blame him for that too because, you know, sixth round guy doesn't want to lose his starting job, especially with the way that Marone benched him last year during his crazy rookie run.
1: Hard, that's, to, that's hard to
0: blame point. him. Um. And, you know, there's just a lot of things going wrong for that team. Uh, I think it changes, you know, monumentally once Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence get there. You know, Lawrence has a pretty good deep ball. Chark can get open, you know, at the crack of a whip. He's quick as hell. And uh, he's pretty good, pretty good pass catcher. So I'm going to go with, uh, you know, and he's not being taken super early like a lot of these other guys right you know you can find a dj chark in like the eighth round or so in your fantasy leagues which is not bad um you know it's hard to it's hard to say that like it's hard to convince people right because he was like a flash in the pan i guess you want to say for that one year uh breakout but I, i have faith in him man you know i'm a big chart guy and so he's you know what? he's my league winner man i'm taking him
1: i like that a guy not too far away from him on the same team what do you make of uh, james robinson this year
0: oh man i love robinson I, have know, him in I so many leagues
1: he's gonna go <laughs> so high though yeah
0: it, he's he's, he's costing, what a second round remember.
1: guy maybe i would think this yeah, year and redraft
0: yeah yeah he is even in dynasty man even in dynasty he's yeah, going he's super be high yeah He's uh, he's me you dinner, man. And I, that hurts my that hurts my soul. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love him. Uh, but no, he's he's causing me dinner for that price tag. As you alluded to earlier, you know, he's a, he's an undrafted free agent. We saw with what happened in Denver with Philip Lindsay that, you know, draft status matters to some of these guys. It really and, does. Uh, yeah. And they'll replace people just because, you know, it's not your guy. They didn't even waste a pick on you, so ownership doesn't really, you know, have any ties to him. And as we've even seen last year with that team with Minshew, sick round pick, you know, great rookie season. Starts all The team starts off bad, and, you know, now they're drafting Trevor Lawrence over, uh, which, you know, you, you have to do anyway. But, you know, it's just the way the league works. Um, there's a good chance they bring somebody else in. Uh, if not to, like, take rushing attempts away, to take passing attempts away. Um, but I love him, man. He's a great pass blocker. He's a great runner, great vision, but he's going too high, and I don't think he replicates the season that he had, uh, unfortunately. So he's, he's costing me dinner, Joe. He's costing me.
1: I No, I definitely agree with you, because I think they said 81% of the snaps, like running back touches, I mean, went to him, which is just not sustainable. So presumably, how do they bring a guy in? Through the draft, and then they are going to have more capital and he might fit the scheme better the coaches or they just go with the hot hand approach because like you said he's not their investment so it'll be interesting and now this last one i'm also very excited to hear justin herbert
0: you're giving me some good ones man Um, (laughs)
1: that's what i I try my best
0: okay uh herbert's tough dude he he went super high in my dynasty league how high did he go nutty he was a he was a top 5 pick I believe, or top 8 wow. pick. Um yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. I thought he would have fall fell to my pick at the 11th, which even for me would have been high, way too high. But he didn't even fall there. Um and he's going early all over the place. I think for that, oof, it's tough, man. Cuz I mean, I love Mike Williams, but he's he's never healthy, never healthy. You know, Keenan Allen's great, but he's getting up there in age. You know, I love me some Eckler. Uh, They might not re-sign Hunter Henry. The coaching staff they brought in, I do not trust them at all. Um, I think Joe Lombardi, who is pretty sure he's now the offensive coordinator there, I think he bodes well for somebody like Austin Eckler, who, you know, when Joe Lombardi was in Detroit, Matt Stafford targeted his running backs the most in his career. So I think that bodes well for Eckler. For Herbert, though, eh, that, those were also the same years where Matt Stafford played arguably his worst football. So I'm actually, you know, I think he's costing you dinner, especially at his price tag. You know, a top five, top eight guy, even in dynasty, man. It's too high for me. Like, we've seen a lot of rookies come in Like, especially quarterbacks, right? They have one really great rookie year and people are all aboard the hype train. Sam Darnold is a great example of that. You know, uh, from a Jets fan's perspective, he he had some pretty amazing games even when the team was losing and people, you know, were sold on him. Two years later, he could be, you know, out of the league or on a different team or as a backup. Who knows? But for that price tag, you know, I want to see more from Herbert. I love him think he can be very successful going forward but at the price tag i'm out
1: it's like shark tank i'm out mark cuban closing in the door have you got any for me <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh dude yeah um uh, well, how me. do you feel about your boy uh your boy lamar jackson
1: lamar jackson hmm i'm gonna say he's costing you dinner just because i think that he just i still think he'll be kind of a little overdrafted i just think that there's always quarterbacks that you can get later on, and I just would rather have like this year, right? You could get Kyler Murray in like the sixth round, seventh round, depending on if people were high on him, or you could have got Lamar in the second round. And like, it's just so hard for a quarterback to like, outside of like maybe you know Patrick Mahomes, to net you second round value. So I just think at the price point that you get him, I think he's going to cost you dinner. I don't think it's necessarily that he's going to play bad. It's just do I want Austin Eckler in the second round or Lamar Jackson? Give me Austin Eckler every time.
0: I, I, it's hard to agree there. I disagree. Sorry about that. Uh, I, I completely In Dynasty Leagues, he's going pretty high too, man. He, he was another top eight player taken, which is, it just, it's just too high.
1: Yeah. He's it's definitely just, someone who's prone hard. to, like, with his body build and everything, like, his body type, I should say, like, and his play style eventually he's going to get hurt and i hate to say that because i'm a louisville guy and i have always been high on him and it just I you know what i mean it. it's just yeah that's <laughs> i think that's the scariest part
0: right and people people hate to hear it but you know you do get like flashes of Mike fic from him and that also includes how injury prone oh
1: yeah you know, just it's get just, nicked up at you're putting yourself injuries. in that position it's eventually going to happen just law of averages at that point
0: a right, league winner and taking you to dinner, costing you dinner. It's Justin Jefferson.
1: Ooh, I, you know if he took me to dinner, that'd be all right as long as he's footing the bill. <laughs> 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 I think he's a league winner, man. Fourteen hundred yards as a rookie with Kirk Cousins throwing you the ball as an, a fluke. He was just, I don't know, like I, I'd be fine taking him as like a top five wide receiver and just hoping that he has, if he's as good as he was last year, just more consistent which he will be i would think in a second year obviously we said earlier like i'm i kind of shy away from people like that but i mean he just had the like one of the greatest uh or if not the greatest rookie wide receiver you know season ever so that's something i can get on board with buying into because i think julio will have a good season but he it's like do you want justin jefferson or do you want julio obviously in dynasty you want jefferson but I just think he's got like some really good upside and it, it, he would just be fun to have on your team. And I, I just think he's going to have a I he, he could break out more and I think he could easily be top five wide receiver. So like you said, Kirk Cousins throws the ball to the wide receivers and doesn't even look at the tight end. So he's in a really good spot.
0: And, and real quick, do you think to, that uh, Justin or that Herbert Herbert uh, deserved rookie of the year over Jefferson? Um,
1: hmm. I, it's just, it's one of those things where the quarterback's always going to get it. I think they need to do something with the award system. Like, even MVP, like, it's always going to go to a quarterback unless someone like Adrian Peterson comes along and has an ungodly season. I think they just, I think quarterbacks just need to have their own separate award. Because if Joe Burrow plays the whole season, he would have finished higher than Justin Jefferson. But Justin Jefferson probably had. I mean, he probably translated to more wins. Uh eh, maybe not. But I just feel like he had more of an impact. Like Justin Herbert was playing amazing, but they weren't winning games, right? Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think That's it's a tall stuff. It just, it just the weight on, and it, it makes sense. But like, just it's the weight of a quarterback is just too high. It's it's like yeah. in baseball how they have the Cy Young and then they have you know the MVP. I think they need to do something like Ooh. that.
0: That that's actually a great point. I think they should do that too cuz you you kind of hit the nail on the head. Nobody can really remember the last time like I don't I don't ah, man, I don't even fully remember the last time a quarterback didn't win the MVP.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Adrian Peterson and that was a long time ago now. Yeah, and that was just cuz he literally about, yeah. ran Tavares Jackson into the playoffs. Like no nothing else about that team was good, but Adrian yeah, Peterson. Yeah. Like the year, no, one no. of the years Rogers won it. There was a very good, and I'm a Packers fan, but there's a very good case that J.J. Watt should have won it that year. Like it's Ooh, just, it's impossible yeah, for another that. guy to come along. The court, the ball's always in the quarterback's hands. He's gonna make more of an impact. He's gonna have like the flashier stats. So I just, I it just they, they really needed to do something. I would say.
0: No, that that's actually a great suggestion. They really should make like a Cy Youngish type of award for an NFL quarterbacks. That's actually, man, that you might have found something there, Joe. You might have found something there. I think Maybe so. We should do that. Uh, all right, I got a couple. got two more for you. All right. Uh, I'm ready. winner or cost me a dinner. Cam Akers.
1: Oh, whew. I think he's gonna cost you dinner because I think he's gonna shoot up draft boards. People are gonna be more and more into him. And while he was good down the stretch last year, he also had an abysmal game. And I think it was week seventeen where he had like 21 carries for 35 yards. Sean McVay isn't going to fully commit to him. We saw that they drafted Daryl Henderson the year before, and what do they do? They turn around and draft Cam Akers, and it took him a while. Like the only reason why he was playing down the stretch is because he played well. But let's say we let's say he's a starter week one, he does decent. He goes out with a stinger or something, and then Daryl Henderson has a good game. It instantly becomes Henderson's backfield, or if Malcolm Brown uh, spells him for a few plays, they're going to ride him if he's playing really well. Like I just, the capital, I don't think it'll be worth in the long run. Like the headache of what he'll be. I think when he's good, he'll be great. But I think more often than not, he's going to be in more of a committee. And now they have Matt Stafford. So I think this offense is going to be a little more pass heavy than it has been traditionally. They don't have to you know, run through Todd Gurley. And I think that, They're going to want to be like, hey, we we traded for Matt Stafford. We're going to show you why we traded for Matt Stafford, right? And they're going to want to throw the ball more. And, like, I don't know. All the NFL guys have huge egos. So they have to, like, you know, they have to be like, this is why we traded for Matt Stafford. Look at how awesome our pass offense is with a different quarterback. Jared Goff is always our problem. And you don't do that by, like, running the ball a lot.
0: Yeah, no, I – Man, every point you said is every point that I've been highlighting as <laughs> to why I'm off on Cam Akers too. I think McVeigh loves the running back by committee approach. Now that you know then you don't have Todd Gurley, who's eating a large chunk of your cap, or and you don't have anybody nearly as talented as he was in his prime either. Uh, people can like Cam Akers all they want, but if you're suggesting that he will be Todd Gurley, you're just out of your mind.
1: That's um, a that's a that's a good a, point actually that you bring up and. They just saw firsthand what happened with Todd Gurley. So even if they view, let's say the Rams organization views him as good as Todd Gurley, which is impossible because I think Todd Gurley was probably like the one of the best running back prospects we ever saw. It's just he fell apart. But I mean, what he was doing was out of this world. But they just saw that happen with Todd Gurley. They're not going to put him in the same position they did with Gurley just so they're two years down the line. He's, you know old news like they're going to try and preserve him as best they can with a good team
0: yeah no exactly and i feel like kind of like a similar fashion with how people do clyde edwards hilarious with thinking that he's going to be the next kareem hunt which is something that people have been telling me which (laughs) Kareem Hunt's another guy, like, dude, dude's getting, like, 50%, less than 50% of the snaps, and he still was a top 15 running back this year, like, come on.
1: Yeah, and he was, I mean, he burst on the scenes and didn't look back, like, that first game, he had the fumble, and then he killed the Patriots, which is something rookies do not do.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, and, you know, as much as, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could be a great guy, great running back, like, he's not producing that on, you know, less than 50% of the snap count, It's just not um uh so there's two more guys um and then you can go on from there uh sure you know i hit cam Akers. now i'm gonna go to the opposite side the other team involved how do you feel about deandre swift
1: who i think he's someone who might slip a little bit in drafts just because it's like detroit and you're gonna be like Eh, do i really want to buy into them i'm gonna say that he's a league winner just because i think maybe not right now and people like i said might be like shaking their head or like this guy's kind of crazy i think the closer we get to redrafts he's gonna just fall down a little bit and people are just going to assume the worst because he's on detroit and they're rebuilding and i think you know if galladay or um marvin jones walks that's just more passing targets and i think that's better for him than necessarily carries because like like you said if you know they line up in the slot that's kind of where he'll succeed so for me i think he is a league winner because i think he'll fall down draft boards a little bit and i think someone like cam akers will have more hype on the better team you know on a more pro net like you know more talked about team he's gonna be in your face more so i think cam akers will go higher but i think someone like deandre swift will finish above him so i'm going a league winner
0: yeah i agree with you on that point too um completely I think the stigma of Detroit really has an effect and people just aren't sold on Jared Goff. He's kind of become the theme of that trade deal along with uh, yeah. Dan Campbell and Buddy
1: Capps. That was a horrible, that just, I don't know. That was like a kid who was presenting to his class and just got nervous and went off script and everyone's like, no, 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 stop, stop. It is just like too late. I don't know, that was bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the last one I have for you is uh, kind of in- Travis Kelsey.
1: Oh, I'm still gonna say league winner just because his positional value is so good, and I think he has another, probably two more really good years in him. And him and Mahomes just loves him so much. Like Tyreek Hill is the flashier player, but he's not nearly as consistent. Like if you get Travis Kelsey in like the first or second round, you're basically getting a wide receiver one at a position that outside of Kittle no one's even gonna come close if Kittle even can um depending on who his quarterbacks going to be so I just think I think Travis Kelsey's a league winner because you just set tight end you forget it you don't have to worry about it and you're always going to win that matchup week over week and I mean he honestly produces as a wide receiver one so and then that allows you to get a wide receiver a little bit later as opposed to a tight end later and I think like the incremental value is higher for that like trade-off.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I, I think he has a couple years left, too. Mahomes targets him like crazy. And, you know, the tight end group, outside of, like, him, Kittle, and Waller, it's just a bunch of, like, good but not great guys, right?
1: And you have and, to hope each you know, week, yeah.
0: Yeah, you're basically, you know, putting out a flyer with whoever you're sending out there that isn't one of those three. Um, So, no, I, I agree with you there, man, completely.
1: And even in the Super Bowl where the you know, Chiefs didn't play well. He still, it was a quiet 130 yards, but he still went out and got 130 yards and the offense sucked. Like, that's not gonna, he will produce no matter the outcome kind of thing.
0: No, no, yeah. I kind of forgot to even put up that many yards. You wouldn't,
1: you wouldn't know it, but yeah, so he was, I mean, he had a drop, which people might remember more so, but he, he, that's what he does. He just, he gets 100 yards and he gets a lot of catches. No,
0: yeah, I do remember that drop. They took a nice, nice picture of it, which was, oh, yeah. I feel bad. <laughs> guys a, arguably
1: the best tight end ever and people are just gonna harp on him for one drop you know it's just it's crazy the world that we live in
0: yeah everyone wants to microanalyze things when oh, yeah. they couldn't even get on the field but um
1: <laughs> so listen you know we got one topic left and i think this is something people should really pay attention to uh what are your? What is your, like, trade advice? So we just talked about league winners and, you know, league, you know, people are going to cost you dinner, ruin your, you know, your team. <laughs> what is your trade advice to, like, move off a guy if you don't like him anymore? Or if you really like a guy, how do you try and, like, pitch it so you get him without coming off, like, you have to have this guy?
0: Man, it's crazy because in the couple of the leagues that I'm in, I've received some terrible trades, Joe some terrible trades
1: don't be that Uh, guy if you're listening do not be the guy sending those bad trades think a little bit before you send them
0: dude somebody packaged me ito smith Marty gagging (laughs) gerald everett gerald everett and a backup wide receiver for deontay johnson and somebody else
1: that's so bad
0: it was bad man and he sent it to more than one person too which is the most like don't be that guy like,
1: don't be that, that guy <laughs> just makes
0: nobody ever want to trade with like, people I'll are making fun of
1: you in separate chats or just the group chat as a whole <laughs> it's not yeah. worth it because they're not going to say yeah. yes and it's going to get vetoed even if somebody says yes
0: yeah exactly and um, i'm a commissioner in a league myself and um <laughs> Every other day, I'm getting messages from guys in, in the league who are showing me some of these trades. That uh, there's always that, that one they, guy in the
1: league, man. It sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Like what, the most recent when we have IDB player IDP players, individual, individual defensive players, and uh, somebody was trying to trade uh, Amos from the Packers and uh, the second round, fourteenth pick in the rookie draft for Andrew Luck, which you know is a throwaway. <laughs> But then uh, Ayuk from uh, oh San Francisco, so <laughs> that's just Ayuk is gonna cost a little bit more than a little Matt. bit more <laughs>
1: than that, <laughs> you
0: know. And uh, it's just bad. But to get back to the point. Uh, when you want to trade, the honestly, man, the best thing is like an open line of communication, right? You want to be kind of honest with your intentions because it makes the person you're trading with feel better about, you know, picking up a guy or. Giving you that guy now, some people will, depending on the league you're in, if it's toxic enough, that could completely fuck you over.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but like the the way I do it is, if you want your guy, you get your guy. A lot of championship winning moves are from you getting your guy. Um, if you think it's, you know, it's sometimes it's okay to, you know, uh, give up a little too much in order to get that player, but that means you got your player. Like it's gonna happen. You can't always assume you're gonna get the best deal. Because when you assume that, that's usually when a deal doesn't get done whatsoever. And then you're left left thinking they're like, well, now what do I do? You know, you still got that hole that you wanted to fill. And you're just always going to second guess yourself if you don't get it done. So to me, it's like I try to be as honest as possible without giving away my biggest reasons why. Um, while also giving out a fair deal. You know, if I'm trading for Austin Eckler and I got a team with, like, Deontay Johnson and Juju and, you know, a couple elite wide receivers, I'm going to have to give up one of those elite wide receivers. Like Definitely. That's just the way it's going to go. And then you're going to have to probably give up a running back for depth and, you know, hope for to get a wide receiver in depth in return. You know, you want it to be fair. Otherwise, league mates are going to freak out. It could get revoked from the commissioner, depending on what type of league you're in, or it could just straight up get vetoed. Um, But that's usually how I – handle trades uh the advice is just to be kind of you know be fair because you could end up pissing your league mates off and oh yeah that just makes it worse for you down the (laughs) road
1: then no one's gonna want trade yeah so my thing is one it kind of goes along with what you said like the open communication you have to understand what certain people like so that means what players they like or what type of player they like like if, a, if you know a guy is more like he's more higher upside guy, you want to try and sell him the dream of a boomer bus guy like a Tyler Lockett. But you have to know on the flip side, if a guy is risk adverse, there's no reason to offer him Tyler Lockett because you're just going to be like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to get from week to week. I don't want him, right? So you have to have some knowledge base of who you're working with. And then my other thing that I try and do is you have to have a good sales pitch. If you're going to offer a trade to somebody – you have to have a reason to back it up. You can't just send a trade offer and then just leave it there, especially if you're you're making a trade. You're trying to win in some way, right? So, you have to be like, I'm offering you this guy because he makes your team better by X, Y, and Z, and you can lose whoever you're trying to give me because this guy on your bench has been playing really well and he'll make up for it. So, I think that's really important. You just have to have a reason why it works. And you know whether they believe you or not is What is going to get the deal done, but to have sound logic behind it is going to make the other guy feel better because then he's going to like. It's one of those things where he'll take it as his idea and he's like, "Oh yeah, like Mark Ingram's back, yeah, like you know what I mean." Like that's the trade that I did. I did Mark Ingram for Austin Hooper because the guy had Darren Waller, and I was like, "Well, why would you have?" I was like, "You're never going to bench Waller," and I was like, "You only have two starting running backs. Like Mark Ingram's back, he could start. Like yeah, so I was just like, you know, I was." building up a case for it right you have to have a case that makes sense and then he ended up accepting it and part of the reason was he said he's like i knew you weren't going to stop until i said yes but (laughs) (laughs) it still works and my only other piece of advice and i think we might have talked i don't know if it was the pod that actually got released or not but because we we had to do it so many times because of audio issues when you trade with somebody you have to i think in my opinion the biggest thing is if i give this guy this player can i beat his team You can't just do a trade because you like, you know, you want somebody like a huge part of trading is, am I making this guy's team too good? So what I mean by that, right? Let's say this past year you had the guy you're trading with has Josh Allen, but he also has Aaron Rodgers. So you want to go get Aaron Rodgers, but let's say his second running back sucks, but you have three really good running backs or like three solid running backs. So let's just say, I don't know, just hypothetically, you give him Jonathan Taylor for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was never going to play for him, anyways, right? Like the difference between Josh Allen and Rodgers was who cares? He let's just say he was a Bills fan, but now he goes from Mark Ingram to Jonathan Taylor, and a year you would not have beaten that guy. Why? Because the value you gave him was so high, and what you got back. Because I mean, the quarterback like gap isn't that big of a deal most of the times, right? So. Right you just, you have to be careful with who you're trading with and what the upside of that team becomes. Cause the way I play fantasy and I, I don't know if you do this or not, I see a lot of people play to make the playoffs and yeah, anything can ha- play in the playoffs. I'd rather miss the playoffs and have a team that I'm like a hundred percent confident in is going to win me a championship. If I get there, you know, if I have injury, bad injury luck, okay, that's fine. I understand why I lost, but I'm not going to, trade away my upside just so i can sneak into the playoffs because that doesn't get that does nothing for me i'm not you play to win the game exactly so i want the best possible team i can put out you want to have depth but i i'm just someone who like has a tendency towards total upside so if i have a bunch of you know depth pieces come week eight or nine or something i'm going to try and flip them so for instance i traded Um, um i traded justin herbert uh david montgomery and who was the other guy and Robert Tunyon because I had people I had Kyler Murray and you know people who I've never benched for those guys those are all three solid depth pieces for Austin Eckler who was hurt because I was like when he comes back I put him in my lineup how do I lose I don't right like and I I lost in the championship but I you know you shit can happen in the cha- exactly yeah or I could have just had three bench players who would have done nothing for me all year on the flip side the guy who gave me Austin Eckler he made the playoffs, but how was he ever going to beat me with those three guys and he gave up his best player? He he couldn't. Like, he got there, but he did nothing. So I just think that's the thing. You have to, like, look at absolute upside.
0: Uh, that's a great point. You don't ever want to make a trade. Just, you know, as much as you want to get your guy, don't make the trade to get your guy and then also give, you know, somebody who's already from, probably going to be in the playoffs – a bigger chance to make the championship. Like you just don't want to give a guy a championship team just to get your guy. Sometimes you kind of have to take an L and then move on to another team, which, you know, I'm going to be frank. I do that all the time. Like I'm not going to look at the team that has the best players or that I think is going to be like, Oh crap, I got to watch out for this guy in the championship. Why would I want to trade with him?
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't want his you know, team to get better.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd rather have like a, a team that I think is going to be a seller dweller trade with them (laughs) you know boost them up a bit to where they could they could make the playoffs you know like anything could happen i guess but i'd rather trade with that person get my team who i would assume already is going to make the playoffs because you have to be thinking that way right like you're not drafting to be at the bottom you're drafting because you want to try to make the playoffs so your team like you want to try to make the playoffs you want to trade with a team that isn't going to be a championship team regardless like that's just that's just not something i do i I tend to stay away from those guys in instant decline because they're looking to do the same thing you know what i mean like they're looking to make their make your team worse and their team better and nobody wants to play that way you play to win as uh, Herm Edwards famously said and i'm not gonna (laughs) risk i'm not gonna lower my chances of winning to give another team a better chance just because i want somebody very bad you know
1: exactly and a team at the top isn't going to be as desperate as the guy who starts out one and three right if a guy's four and oh and he had like th- for oh will use a real world example if a guy had michael thomas this year and he was four and oh he's what is his incentive to move him you're going to have to give up more than he's worth now if a team's oh and four and they have michael thomas that's a guy you target and you can go get because this guy is just thinking like dude i gotta get a win and that's how you like win trades in my opinion it's just, like, finding yeah. the right team and a team that, like, isn't going to bounce back and you can get a guy for cheaper than he should be just because of the situation yeah. they're
0: in. It's, yeah, exactly. Opportunities, everything, right? You, you kind of hit the nail on the head. A struggling team is more inclined to make a kind of, not necessarily a panic trade, but they they will want to win games and will be more inclined to take a deal that they could possibly be losing on in order to get that win. So I think you're there. But, uh. Uh, yeah, man, this, this is a good one. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, this is a great episode, too. Uh, as always, I appreciate having you on, Joe.
1: Um, hey, I'm always happy to be here, and I just uh, appreciate everyone listening to us.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is uh, Thomas Christopher and my man Joe Avellino. This is the League Winners Podcast, episode two. Uh, we are now on pretty much every platform, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor, Spotify, YouTube. Whatever it is, you will find us on there. So make sure to check us out. Uh, we have the link to the inaugural episode in the description. And we'd look to see you guys again.
1: Take it easy, guys. Thanks for listening.